Welcome to the San Diego News Fix. I'm Christy Totten. The San Diego City Council voted 7-2 to two on Monday to ban flavored tobacco within city limits. It's one of 100 California cities to make the move. Locally, bans have been passed in Imperial Beach, Encinitas, Solana Beach, and San Diego County. The county ban affects all unincorporated areas, but does not affect cities. David Garrett covers the city of San Diego at the Union Tribune. So David, tell me about this ban. What sorts of products does it include? It includes all sorts of flavored tobaccos, which includes some stuff that's marketed to children with names that with candy in the title um, and, you know, that are based on cartoon characters. Uh, And then it uh, includes vaping and e-cigarettes that also include flavored tobacco. But potentially most notably is it includes menthol cigarettes, which have been a sort of a staple. That's not a new product. That's uh, of all the products that are being banned. That's the the oldest and longest running product. The other stuff has been introduced in the last five or six years. Menthol cigarettes have been around for decades. So what do supporters say about this and what do opponents have to say? Uh, Well, supporters say this is an absolutely necessary and important move to reduce youth use of tobacco. Um, they, they say that e-cigarettes are, are more dangerous. They say that the tobacco industry uh, has sort of, in the last five years, reversed decades of progress on reducing youth usage of tobacco with the last five years marketing to youth these flavored tobaccos that look like candy or advertised as candy and marketed as candy. So supporters say this is an absolutely crucial move. Opponents say uh, mostly these are uh, owners of mar- neighborhood markets. These are small little markets that aren't part of a chain like a 7-Eleven um, or like a Vons. Um, and they're part of a group called the Neighborhood Market Association, which says it represents about 700 markets. And they say that they're going to basically go out of business. They say a huge chunk of their revenue is from these products and people coming in to buy these products also buy other stuff when they come into the store. Um, and they say, you know, we're sorry that our model was built on this, but it was legal at the time. And, you know, we do a lot of a good job policing and making sure that kids don't get it. We're subject to undercover police operations. We don't get in trouble when those happen. And, you know, why, why are you attacking us? And uh, that's sort of the, the main arguments. Two council members voted against this, Chris Kate and Vivian Moreno. Could you tell me a little bit more about, about why? Um, we know, all we know is what, what they said. We don't necessarily know what, you know, what, what happens behind closed doors. Um, but yes, uh, Chris Kate, who's the council's uh, lone Republican, uh, he, he said he te- generally tends to be a really pro-business guy. And he mentioned that the hardship on the businesses would be extreme. But he also made an interesting point that when the city council several weeks ago reduced taxes on cannabis businesses, that during that discussion, the, uh, the concept of whether cannabis businesses are harming local youth by making cannabis more accessible to youth never even came up once during the hearing. And I can tell you from covering it, he's correct um, that, that I remember. And so he's saying it's kind of hypocritical to, to be doing this when we're be so focused on banning flavored tobacco uh, for one that is sold by one group of businesses when we when the city gave a real um, generous reduction in tax to another group of businesses and didn't even mention whether they harm youth. And with Ms. Moreno, uh, she's a council member also, and she's, you know, it's hard to pigeonhole folks. She tends to be one of the more pro-business Democrats on the council, but, you know, things vary from subject to subject for sure. Um, You know, she was saying that she thought enforcement is the answer. 
Enforcement is the answer. We, we need to do more undercover operations so that we can weed out these small markets that are selling to young people and, and let the ones that are not selling to young people continue to operate. It's an interesting point. I don't know if the police department has the resources to do that level of undercover operation, but that, that was her argument. And there's a racial element here, too. Uh, you know, interestingly, on one side, neighborhood markets are saying it's racist not to allow minorities to have the flavors that they want. On the other hand, council member Monica Montgomery has said that, you know, racist tactics by tobacco companies sort of uh, got got certain communities hooked. It, how, how is that playing out here? Well, it was a 72 vote. So it sounds like people bought Monica's argument more than they bought the market uh, argument. I think they're both interesting arguments, uh, but I think Shirley Weber, who's actually our secretary of state and a former state assembly member, directly rebutted the argument, which the gist of it sort of goes, you can make it multiple ways. But one, one argument that's been made is that menthol cigarettes are part of sort of black culture, that you know African-Americans have, have smoked menthol cigarettes uh, for a long time, and it's it's a cultural tradition, and it's uh, something that the government shouldn't come in and legislate out. And and Shirley Weber, who was black, said that's ridiculous. I've been around a long time. It's never been part of our cultural tradition. It's the result of tobacco companies marketing to the black community this more dangerous version of a cigarette. Right, it has flavor in it, but it's also supposed. I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor, but supposedly menthol cigarettes are harsher on the lungs. Um, and so she said that that's bogus. It's not part of black cultural tradition. So that's one area where that there's at least two sides to it. The other one, freedom of choice. I mean, should every person have the ability to do every things that harm them? You know, we have seatbelts in cars. We made a law saying you have to wear your seatbelt. So government has a history of saying you don't have the right to harm yourself. You know, and so the government in this case is saying these types of flat tobacco flavors and these types of e-cigarettes are harmful to you to a degree where we as the government are going to step in and prevent it. And that's a freedom question for every every voter. Do they think that that's the right way for a government to operate? Well, one of the big criticisms is that the state is potentially considering you know, similar legislation and that, you know, what's the point of doing this now? Is there legislation expected at the at the state level? Well, the state legislature actually approved it in 2020, and it was signed into law by the governor. And then the tobacco industry raised enough money to get a signature drive together, and they got enough signatures to do a referendum. So this November, voters will face a referendum. Do you want to keep the law the legislature approved and said, hey, this stuff is banned? Or do you want to soften it or, or I guess, not, not do that? Um, so uh, it's an up or down, yes or no. Um, you know, I've seen polling all over the place. It looks like it's probably... The referendum will fail, which means that the law will stay in place. Um, so that means San Diego won't even need to do a ban. But again, you never know. There's a long time between now and November. Um, you know, and this is an off-year election, um, so turnout may be low. So it's sort of hard to predict whether polling will necessarily translate to what happens actually in the voting booth. So how soon will this go into effect and how will it be enforced? Uh the first one is interesting. Marnie Von Wilpert, who's a city council member who actually shepherded and spearheaded this, she, as sort of a compromise, agreed to, to delay enforcement, which would have started like in, I think, June or July um, under normal circumstances uh, until January of 2023, because she was sort of you know, nodding to the market folks that, hey, yeah, we understand there's this state law. And so we'll wait and see. So that, that seems like a, a reasonable compromise. She also mentioned that some of the markets have some inventory. Maybe they, they maybe they bought in bulk some of this the stuff that they sell, the flavored tobacco. And so this will also give them a chance to, 
to have their inventory at the right level in case the state uh, uh, you know, initiative doesn't go their, their direction. And as far as enforcement, that's a great question. I mean, the police obviously don't have the ability to visit every store every day. So I'm guessing it'll be spot checks, but that actually did not come up during the hearing. David Garrick, thanks so much. Thanks. Thanks.